Okay, okay, here we are, CXM Experience, where this is part two of our special edition of my interview with Marshall Kirkpatrick. Marshall runs the Sprinkler Coffee Club video cast. He does an amazing job bringing influencers and important people and great thinkers from across the world to talk about the new modern channels and the way the world's changing. And he also had me on. So uh, it was, we had a great time. Uh, if you listen to part one, uh, you'll see there's great energy there. Uh, feel free to listen to that already if you've not had a chance. Uh, this is part two. So we're going to pick it up and go to the end. That's uh, a two-parter. And for now, I'm going to just introduce myself, CXO at Sprinkler, Grad Con, with Marshall Kirkpatrick, who leads the influence and analyst team at Sprinkler. So enjoy. You know, it's uh, and I, I do think this idea of uh, some people call it eating your own dog food. We call it drinking your own champagne. I'm sure there's many others uh, out there, but the the idea of living your own product and living your own truth is far more compelling than many people realize. Uh, and the and I think, you know, one of the things that was disconcerting to me when I first got to Sprinkler was a um, people weren't doing social marketing, right? They were buying lists and they were doing programmatic display. And, and it was like, and they, well, you know, it hadn't really done what we expected it to do. And, and so there's this kind of like, let's move on. And like, no, we can't do that. I mean, we have to be the world's best social marketer and we're going to have to learn our way to it. And, you know, I, I think we're pretty close to that now. I mean, if you think about what we're doing today, I mean, if you look at just what we're doing with, um, the community and what we're doing with advocacy, like what we get out of our advocacy product, we've got more than 60% of our employees now posting three and a half times a week. Like imagine if you were a large company and you got that going like that, that, that alone has is worth millions of dollars in advertising. And so we've, we've figured out a lot of these things that we were not focused on before. And now we can go to market and we can sort of talk in a way, which is with authority, we can talk about how we have been able to do these things that um, are powered by our product and really, really work. And you can do it too. Uh, and here's the proof. And I think that's the, that again, transformation can't occur, I think, if you don't, if you're a hypocrite, right? So it's, I think it's hard to tell someone they need to change the way they're doing things if you haven't changed the way you're doing things. Mm -hmm. uh, People smell hypocrisy very quickly, and it's, it's concerning to them, right? And you've got to you've got to go in there and you've got to live it. There's a great story from uh, Salesforce, where in the early days, um, some of the sellers were going in and showing senior management their sales on an Excel spreadsheet, and then the management's like, "What are you doing showing this on an Excel spreadsheet? Like we run Salesforce, so even you know even at Salesforce, right?" And, uh, and so then there was a mandate, you know, you can only show me your sales figures in Salesforce. Well, you know, I can't show you this. I can't show you that. It doesn't work for this. It doesn't work for that. Well then get it fixed, get it fixed. Right. Or Oracle's another one. They're amazing at this. Oracle's like, they have products aren't even finished yet. And they force, you know, force everyone to start using them. Right. And they, and they, they go through it. And I think again, like this idea that, you know, getting everyone who cares the most about the product to use it. Um, there's a last one of these, sorry, I'm just kind of on a tear here because this, this is such a constant theme in business. So Alan Mullally, who is the CEO of Ford and he led the triple seven project at Boeing is kind of this legendary manager and incredible figure. Uh, there's a great book called American icon, which if you haven't read American icon, you got to read it. It's, it's one of the greatest business books ever written. 
And there's this great story of uh, Alan Mulally on his very first day at Ford walking. He parks his car. He, he's driving a Ford Fusion or whatever. Parks his Ford Fusion in the executive parking lot at the Ford building. And, he, and he's got his, so he's almost written a bit like a diary. And so he's, his observations as he's driving up to the building was the main Ford building did not have the Ford logo on it. He thought, hmm, it's interesting. Don't have the Ford logo on the Ford building. I'm used to, they took it down, right? And uh, so then he gets in the executive parking lot, noting that there's an executive parking lot. I don't believe in those either. We certainly didn't have executive parking lots at Microsoft, but gets in the executive parking lot, kind of looks around, and he notices that none of the cars in the executive parking lot are Fords. They're, sometimes they're companies that Ford may have an interest in. Like, I think they had a partial interest in Jaguar. There's like that kind of thing, but they're not, none of them are Fords. So Alan goes to the very first meeting and he's like, I'll be really disappointed if I come in the parking lot next week and everyone's still driving all these foreign cars. And sure enough, you know, everyone managed to figure out how to buy a Ford in the following week. And the next thing he did is he put the, the Ford logo back on the building. Like, you know, like you got to like, and, and people are like, oh, that's like old fashioned and it's in the blue, blue oval. And he's like, well, that's what it is. I mean, you got to own the thing you own. You know, that's like, that's just the thing it is. And like, yeah, we're not ever going to have the logo that, you know, Ferrari has. Okay. Because that's Ferrari's logo. <laughs> we have the Ford logo, but you know what? We're going to make it big on our cars. We're going to make it big on our building. We're going to be proud of it. And we're going to own it. And that's what we're going to be all about. And if you look at the Ford cars in that time, there was, they didn't have the blue logo on them. They just had like Ford in letters. And then suddenly that logo, that, that blue oval became back, came back. And it's a very dominant element on Ford cars again. And it's really wonderful, actually. I think it looks really awesome. And, and it's, you know, again, it's about kind of owning and being part of what you own. And again, the people who think that way, now this is Alan Mullaly, who's the CEO, but he's very much a marketing mindset. The people who think that way, who think the way I'm talking, those tend to be CMOs. CMOs think that way. And so that's why I think they have the opportunity to be digital transformation leaders. The other thing I think that happens to the CMO is that it's very hard for the CMO to get their job done alone. Right? So you can do all the greatest marketing in the world. If the product's not working, then that's not going to work. Uh, if the salespeople don't know how to sell, that's not going to work. You know, so you're, you're dependent on and you're connected to many other people. And so the marketing leader tends to have a role which crosses a lot of other functions more than, say, the IT function, which can live somewhat in a silo and, and be very effective. And so I think that the other thing that ha marketers have going for them, as CMOs have going for them, is that as sort of cross-functional leaders, they can pull a cross-functional project across the line more easily than someone who's in a more siloed profession. And I think that is something CMOs can leverage more. Hmm. You know, Grad, I wanted to tell you about the impact of a, another one of your blog posts on on Sprinkler in terms of really owning owning what you are and drinking your own champagne. One of the, the posts you put up recently was a reading list of mm -hmm. great books about writing. And here's a, a little something I haven't told you offline. I'll tell you here live. In the three months since we've been doing uh, this continuous improvement intervention of daily meetings, applying the lessons from some of that great writing 
uh, into our own social marketing. According to our sprinkler dashboard, our growth rate of new followers that we have connected with on social has increased 300%. Awesome. Big, big spike. And that in spite of a, a, a silent period that we took at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. So the quantity of posts were down, but the quality of posts have gone up so much because we really rolled up our sleeves and dug in and applied uh, some of the uh, the wisdom from uh, from other industries and and uh, and other sources of knowledge that it's just it's made a huge impact. Well, you led that, Marshall. I was you done an amazing job of that, and the. I loved when you started quoting Caples back to me, uh, or you know, you know, and contradicting something. I'd say, "Oh, it should be the, it should be blue," and you're like, mm, "Cable says it should be red," and I'm like, "Oh, wow, that was delicious." Those are those are great moments. I I, I treasure those. That was a really great time. Yeah, yeah, I do too. So, Grad, we that, that's a good example, I think, of of uh, of how there's always more opportunity to, uh, even when you're fully invested in in social marketing, for example, there's room to just up level the game, in uh, in more and more ways. I, I wonder the the last thing that I want to ask you about is uh, if you have some advice for companies. Uh, at different places in the digital transformation journey. You know, we've talked about how this big acceleration in digital transformation has served early adopters really well because they've they've already got a head start. But now there's a lot of companies that have been slower to get started. They were perhaps more optimized for stability and security uh, over time that now, uh, have a, a a real clear impetus to accelerate their digital transformation. What what would you advise for early adopters that are in the lead to build on their digital transformation? And what would you advise for companies that are earlier in the journey just getting started? Yeah, great question. Yeah, and the analysts have got the analysts have got good advice here. I don't I'm not sure it's I'm not sure anyone's really getting down to the brass tacks of execution because uh, some of the advice is a little bit motherhoody, um, but, you know, focus on execution, for example, it's like, Oh, really? Um, but I do think that there is an opportunity for someone who is not really in the fray to leapfrog existing competitors. It's a little bit like, um, like South Korea, for example, um, is extraordinarily connected partly because they didn't deal with copper infrastructure. They were able to sort of leapfrog right over that and they went to fiber and, and cell right away. And, uh, and you, you see like sometimes your legacy systems create a technology debt that can slow you down. So, so the first thing I would say to someone who is early in the journey is resist the temptation to say things like we're going to crawl, walk, and run. My God. Um, that is such, uh, it is such a tired way of thinking about things. Uh, there's also the phase one, two, three, and there's like, you know, different stage one, stage two, stage three, that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's just a terrible way to think about it. What you have to do is you have to say, 
what would be an experience that if I were to deliver it to my customer, they would be loyal to me forever. They would tell their friends about me and they would buy most of my products. Think about it that way. And then just build that. You know, this idea of like, well, first we're going to put up a website then we're going to put a car. Don't do that because you're never going to make it. You're not, you can, what you're actually literally doing is you're literally laying down technology debt before you've even accumulated it. So go to the end point. Just beef mobile. Go just to the phone. You know, be, think about that payment. Like I've got some, there's some amazing Shopify merchants now where I'll see a thing, I click on it, I click on my Shopify link. They've got my profile. It's purchased. It's like two, three clicks and the thing is on its way to me. It's amazing. So it's just like, you gotta, you've got to be really smart about that. For people who are existing, I think you should be scared because you're sitting on top of a pile of numbers and KPIs that you're sort of like living with every day. And all the people who haven't done it yet, which is most of the people, Okay, we're at the early part of the curve right now. It doesn't seem that way, but you know, online shopping is only about 10%. Pretty early, pretty early. It's going to be 100% at one point. So pretty early right now. It's going to look ridiculously early in retrospect. 20 years from now, people are going to say, what was I thinking? Why didn't I buy Amazon then? So at that point of the journey, if you think you've got it all figured out and you're going to have these new competitors zipping ahead without even worrying about laying down all the tracks you've laid down, uh, you could get into big trouble. And so what I would do is I would create a second team, which is your we're not bounded by the technology that exists team and set them out on a journey to build something like their startup and they didn't have to worry about any boundaries. Uh, and in, I think it's sort of, this sounds super, uh, This I hate saying this because it's, it's becoming so um, overused, but, but this you do have to make sure you've made a significant investment in AI. Right. If you're not because the 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 AI capability is going to be critical and you got to be really smart about your targeting capabilities. You know, it's been a really interesting experience for me over the last couple of weeks. That I just got engaged. Right? And um, boy, without really like a post on Facebook, you know, well, a well liked like hundreds of likes, a well liked post. But nonetheless, I'll post on Facebook telling our friends very limited, like you know, it's not like I'm out there buying like, you know, engagement gifts on Amazon or anything like that. So very limited sort of shopping, the amount of targeting I'm getting for she said yes and all this kind of stuff. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And that, that is like, that's the future, right? Which is to know what's going on in someone's life without them having to actually tell you. And so pulling in that targeting, being able to drive the AI and you know, be able to think about what the offers are going to be and make it really relevant to the user. If you've got a million users, think about a million experiences and how are you going to deliver that? So that's uh, that'd be kind of my core advice to those two groups. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's the AI investment in particular is is one that uh, that I think we see time and time again with customers. Uh, I'm thinking of the the streaming customer that uh, that came to us and said that they had a a four-year target for new customer acquisition they had been doing targeting in a in a much more manual sort of way 
but they uh, uploaded their data into Sprinkler, applied the AI of the smart ads uh, platform, uh, were able to uh, generate 8,000 variations of advertising automatically to go out and target uh, people based on, on their uh, appropriate profiles and they hit their four year goal of new customer acquisitions in six months. Yeah. That's an amazing story. And the, um, and I would say that maybe the reason I'm so hesitant to say AI is I think it's overused because people just put it out of there as a blanket, just, you know, AI. And I think what's better is what you just did, right. Or maybe what I just did, which is like, it's less about AI per se, as it is the experience uh, that you want to draw. And so think about what is the experience that I want to deliver. You're going to need to use AI to deliver that, but it's not AI itself that's of use. It's the experience that the, the outcome that you're driving is going to be critical. And that, that to me is the, the key to all this. Well said. Thinking of the experience, that's Grad Khan, the chief experience officer here at Sprinkler. Thank you, Marshall. That was super fun. I loved it. And I love Coffee Club. Keep going. Thank you so much. Folks, thanks again for joining us here on Coffee Club. I hope you will like this and subscribe to receive all the episodes of Coffee Club. Uh, they are a consistent source of learning and inspiration. So I hope you'll join us for episodes past, present, and future. I always learn a lot and really enjoy doing it. But this has been a special episode, Grad. I hope that uh, the rest of your day goes wonderfully. I thank you for letting me be a part of it. And folks, thanks for letting us be a part of your day. And there we are. That's the end of part two and the end of my special edition podcast with Marshall Kirkpatrick on his Sprinkler Coffee Club. And, you know, I had a great time, as you can tell, doing with Marshall. I think Marshall's done an incredible job of gathering together influencers. If you've not had a chance to see a number of his coffee clubs, grab them. There's some really great insights and really great thoughts from some of the leading thinkers in modern channels and digital transformation today. It's going to make you smarter. It's going to make you sound smarter. It's going to make you more effective at work. And then, you know, you could also, you know, listen to the stuff that we did together. So anyway, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, that's it for today for the CXM Experience. I'm Brad Kahn, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>